you mentioned that your father had a conversation with you about race mm-hmm. fairly early on in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about Caleb and then thinking about your unborn child, mm-hmm. how are you going to have those conversations with them? Man. All right. Today, uh, we are continuing on with our Black History Month series. Uh, my name is Daniel McGarry. I'm the creative pastor here at Fellowship Memphis, and today I'm joined by my friend, Andrew Crutcher. And Andrew is a longtime Fellowship Memphis uh, member and uh, recently married and yeah. recently yeah. found out you're going to be a father soon. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, um, introduce yourself. Um, yeah, so longtime fellowshipper and... Uh, Recently married, um, still getting used to that world, and going to be a dad for the first time. And I'm like, God, Lee, like, that's a lot. That's a lot of change. Um, but excited for it, though. Super yeah, excited for it. And, uh, man, just anticipating some good stuff in the future. So, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, today what we're talking about, uh, again, with our Black History Month um, series, is in the past we have um, highlighted some some historical figures from the, the the theological history of the church, the church history, American history, all those sorts of things. Um, but this this year, in 2023, we decided to kind of take a look at some of our uh, members of Fellowship Memphis to get a personal touch and get a um, unique perspective on um, black history in America in 2023 and kind of the current state of things. And so, yeah, we wanted to reach out with you, Andrew, and uh, talk to you a little bit about, about that. So uh, one of the first questions I had is, uh, what was some of your experience growing up um, in America and uh, being a black man and kind of when did you become aware of race? So, um, so I grew up between South Memphis and Whitehaven. Mm-hmm. So um, some people call it, Blackhaven, so yeah. South Memphis, Whitehaven, um, and that was from like the mid '90s all the way up to adulthood. So the majority of what I seen were people groups that that looked like me, talked like me, functioned like me. That's just, that was the demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, the schools I went to, all of that. When I became aware of like race in terms of issues like social issues uh, it's kind of a two-part answer to that question so the first part uh, my dad informed me of a lot of that stuff at a very young age I remember having conversations with my dad when I was in elementary school now uh, I was fortunate had my dad and uh He's in my life all the way up to adulthood. Basically, he, he took care of me. So he informed me on a lot of stuff. One of the things um, that he informed me on was his time in the military mm-hmm. and how he he really emphasized in his personal life to not judge people by how they look, by mm-hmm. their ethnicity or their, their skin or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, and, and like I said, in the elementary school, we just had a lot of those conversations and things like that. Now... Do you think that's because the military kind of itself is a more of a, a multiracial organization that he had that, that background and that experience? I think 
Um, so my dad sharecropped. Okay. Like, so my dad, he he been through that, right? Mm-hmm. He's seen the water fountains, drunk out of the water fountain, all those sorts of things. So his perspective is just far more uh advanced or 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 educated in he the world than us young people, right? Yeah, he so saw he saw a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So so I think he had that perspective, one, because of uh some of the diversity that the that the military had, but then two um, a lot of his upbringing and, and what he experienced um, with all of the things that he went through with the the slurs and the prejudices and mm-hmm. him not wanting to project it or reproduce that in his offspring. Mm-hmm. So I think that was both of those um, more, more so the latter one and why he was emphasizing to me mm-hmm. not to to judge people based on what they look like and where they come from. So, yeah. yeah. And so, um, how old do you think you were when that was going on? How old was I when my dad was telling yeah. me that? Yeah. I was every bit of eight, mm-hmm. nine, you know. Um, I pretty much had that locked in, that that was my dad's views mm-hmm. by, you know, before I was a teenager. So Were, were you involved with the church at, that, at all? No. Okay. Not at all. How did not that, at all. How'd that, how were you introduced to, to, to Jesus and, and the church? So, I had a buddy of mine lived on the street that I stayed on. And, uh, man, him and his whole family, now we're kids, they all went to Bellevue. They mm-hmm. went to Bellevue Baptist. And uh, that's all I knew about them. I knew they they was the Jesus people down the street. Mm-hmm. So, I used to play with, his name was Wright, Wright Mims. Uh, we used to hang out, play basketball, do all this sort of stuff together. But his folks uh, would bring us on the inside, have dinner sometimes, and then they just would introduced the gospel to me. So mm-hmm. that was the first time I ever really heard it be put like that. But I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really that. And then as I got older, Grandma started taking me to church every so often or visit church with Grandma. And uh, and that was really the extent of my knowledge of church, mm-hmm. right? And uh, my interactions were basically limited to a neighbor and my grandma. So. Yeah. I got introduced to it into adulthood. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think, yeah, fellowship was the church that was like really my personal decision. Like, mm-hmm. like my grandma took me to church or mm-hmm. I visited church because I played on the team, but me deciding for myself, that was mm-hmm. fellowship. Yeah. So, and that was 2012. 2012. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember that because I think yeah. you and I were um, serving together on the audio yep. team back in 2012 at, at Colonial at Middle Colonial, School. Back, back in the Colonial days. That's right. Yep. <laughs> uh, how do you think, um, kind of making that decision for yourself, how do you think um, the gospel has shaped your views on race or your views on, you know, just diversity in general? I think so. Um, I, I, I think so. It's, I think the gospel is definitely, I know the gospel has definitely showed me um, how God views people, Mm -hmm. right? And not that, like, the people are erased. Like, God intentionally made Chinese demographic. He -hmm. he intentionally made Australians. He intentionally made Scandinavians. He intentionally made uh, Ugandans or or Sudanese people, right? Mm -hmm. So... I think the gospel has one showed me God's diversity, um, 
and and that that's okay. Um, and I think another thing that God, I mean, the gospel has shown me is that the God's desire to have those people come together, not losing who they are, but more so coming together to illustrate his diversity. Yeah. So the gospel has shown me that he's diverse, but then it also shown me that God desires for that diversity to dwell in a unified manner. Mm-hmm. So, so when you were looking for a church or, or maybe you don't remember, but like, mm-hmm. were you seeking out a multicultural church or were you just, you had to find fellowship? I wasn't, I wasn't what, yeah, I, I was just seeking, I was just seeking to be somewhere that was like, I felt God was leading me there. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have the, I wasn't that, I didn't have that kind of forethought to think like, man, I need to be somewhere that's diverse, somewhere that's, mm-hmm. you know, I was just like, man, I'm hearing, I'm hearing some stuff that my soul needs to hear at this time. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing it from here at Fellowship. And it was a plus that I was seeing uh, like a, a, a ethnic diversity here. So I was I wasn't seeking that, but it was a huge plus for me when I yeah. when I came. Who invited you to fellowship? So years ago, there was a young lady I was dating at the time. Her brother was connected with one of the now elders. Okay, uh, Stephen Moten. Okay, and um, Stephen Moten shared fellowship with him. And then she shared it with me, and then I came to fellowship. Okay. Um, yeah, man, that was a while ago. So long story short, they introduced the podcast to me. I was like, what is a podcast? Yeah. You can listen to church. <laughs> um, and I started listening at work overnight, and, man, it was just – that was some really rich stuff I was hearing. Mm-hmm. And uh, one time – this was the pulling thing that I really landed here because of this. Um, Ricky Jenkins, one day he was preaching – and during his um, sermon, he was just talking about, man, this I'm jacked up, y'all. You know how Ricky is. Mm-hmm. I'm jacked up, man. I'm I messed up here. I messed up here. I messed up here. And I'm in the bed like, you can say that? Yeah. You can say that from the pulpit? You can actually be like, I need grace. And it was when human. I heard yeah. the pastor say, I need grace, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm feeling that. Yeah. I'm pulling up next Sunday. So. Is that is that because that's so foreign? It was church? foreign. Yeah, it yeah. was foreign to me. It was foreign. It, it was like the pastor was preaching perfection and you had to be this. Mm-hmm. If you weren't this, then you're getting saved this Sunday. If you are this, then you can participate in church. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just not what I heard when I was listening to, to the podcast. Um, yeah. So I was, I was moved. Uh, Kind of speaking of of churches, uh, it's been said that Sunday morning is one of the most segregated times mm. in America. Uh, I pulled up some statistics. Uh, the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University found that mixed race congregations comprise sixteen percent of Christian churches. Do you think that number is growing? Um, I think it's growing. I think from my experience, um, from what I used to see. In the 90s, mm-hmm. uh, when I was real small to like the early 2000s, 01, mm-hmm. 02, 03, uh, my experience was there are your huge churches, which we don't know who's in there, and then there are small churches on the west side of the city, primarily black. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's just been my experience when I was younger. Now, 
um, in a more contemporary, modernized setting, we do have more ethnicity, um, well, diversity in ethnicity and ethnicity and cultural mm-hmm. aspects as well. So I do think that that number at least has grown from mm-hmm. when I was a kid to where I am now. Yeah. Um, I would hope that it still be still be growing. All right. So let's talk about um, Black History Month. Um, are there any historical figures or recent history, uh, recent history, history um, figures that you think people need to know about or people may not know about? So when it comes to well, so let me answer your question. Uh, there's a lot of black literature that I think people should be more uh, versed in. And not even a lot of old stuff, like as in 1500s, 1600s, you know, not even that far back, definitely that far back. But there's some, I'm a huge in the literature. So you got, you know, Langston, uh, Giovanni was a writer on uh, the 20th century, and uh, I believe. So I think there's a lot of literature out there um, that people should be getting more versed in as mm-hmm. I'm attempting to myself. I'm not a huge, um, I'm not deep, deep into history, which that's my venture now. So I'm doing some, uh, doing some reading, um, Baldwin. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, about to start reading. There's this book, um, the, the, philosophies and thoughts of uh, Marcus Garvey. So I definitely think he is a figure that needs to be looked more into. Um, John Henry Clark or John Clark Henry. Um, Mm -hmm. That's another figure. He's more recent, I think, in the 20th century. So, yeah, definitely in the 20th century. They got video of him. So um, all in all, I definitely think, including myself, there are some people that that should be uh, talked about more, not because they're more significant. Mm-hmm. I just think that it, there's a, a much grander narrative that we could appreciate if we incorporate more of what was back there, right? Yeah. So through literature and through uh, let me ask you about, current events. Let me ask you about someone or mm-hmm. a topic you'll you'll I know you'll mm-hmm. be in, intrigued by is music. What, mm-hmm. what about African-American artists, particularly mm-hmm. in the last 20, 30 years, have had mm-hmm. such an influence on all music in general? Just everyone samples from each other, everyone yeah. you know, inspiration from each other. And yeah. where, where do you, how do you see um, black historical figures in music? Man, I shoot, I, I think it is music. Right. Um, right. I wasn't teeing yeah. it up like that, but that was kind of what I was expecting. Yeah, <laughs> like I think it is me. It's so, we could we could refer to... We could talk about um, the 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 Chloe and Halleys, Beyonce's, Jay Z's, mm-hmm. and we could talk about like Muddy Waters, mm-hmm. right? Like who, like Rolling Stones, literally named their band yeah. after a song he wrote, you know, and and just I thought it was an honor to do so, but I think it it kind of falls off when culture doesn't recognize that honor that that was bestowing on to him. You know what I mean? Right. So, but I do think it is music. Um, man, it's so vast, but all in all, I, I appreciate the recognition that's happening today. And, uh, and I'm super thankful for it. I, I think learning the, the depths of the music, like from what, 
where these songs came from and where these artists came from, I think will add more to our knowledge of black history, right? right. Like knowing uh, more about Muddy Waters, knowing about the Chicago blues scene, mm-hmm. um, knowing about um, the Delta blues and how it has influenced Memphis, which has influenced Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing about um, the Mecca of hip hop. I mean, going into the the boroughs of New York, going into the Bronx, into the Brooklyn's, and just understanding who were the the playmakers in that, who are the influencers, and uh, things like hip hop on the West Coast, things like rock on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. You know, just just knowing about all those different things, I think will further immerse people into the culture that's there. It may not have always had the light that it's getting now. Yeah. But I think people will get more immersed in the culture that's been there mm-hmm. uh, for the history of black people in this in this country. Yeah. In terms of pop culture, who do you think in 25 years from now will be looking back and say that person was making significant, um, a significant mark on the, the pop cultural conversation in terms of, uh, black values, black vision, uh, black voices, and that sort of thing. And they're making music now. Music could just be entertainment. Could be anything. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll let you answer that. Well, I can. It, the list can go on for so long, mm-hmm. but I think the uh, uh, easy reference uh, Beyonce knows Carter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she will definitely be referenced twenty five years from now for her. Mm-hmm. Um, for her music and for her statements as it relates to black culture in pop music, mm-hmm. uh, not just pop, popular culture, not pop music. Um, yeah. Kendrick Lamar, mm-hmm. um, I think will definitely be referenced. Um, if you just look and listen to his discography, I mm-hmm. think he has a lot of things there. Um, 25 years from now. Sheesh. That is, that's a long time when you're talking music. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to just say anybody else 25 years from now, man, that's a hard one. I'll Those you, two are easy, but. Yeah. I'll tell you what I was thinking about. I was thinking mm-hmm. in terms of pop culture, like mm-hmm. um, the Black Panther um, series in Marvel. Yeah. And most definitely. Definitely. It was obviously a comic book in its own right, but mm-hmm. then just the movies and like the widespread mass audience that received um, yeah. the Black Panther kind of series and how mm-hmm. for maybe the first time mm-hmm. you might have some African American men and women seeing themselves yeah. in a superhero yeah. form yeah. and yeah. how empowering that feels. Yeah. And then also just in terms of role models, like they're so few and far um in the superhero comic, you know, yeah, um, kind of lane of things. Man, yeah, Black Panther. That's a hundred years from now. Like that's gonna be definitely um, mm-hmm. recognized. I believe, um, you know, decades from now, man, uh, when that when that came to theaters and people went to see that, that mm-hmm. was a that was an event. That was <laughs> like you had to be there. Right. Um, so, yeah, definitely. It made a statement in culture, in uh, cinematography, and mm-hmm. music. Um, it made a statement in all that. Yeah. So. All right. So we've talked a little bit about your history. We've talked a little bit about kind of current events. A little bit of the future. How do you see um, 
kind of February being set aside as Black History Month, how do you see discussions about race? How do you see that conversation going forward? Uh, generally, kind of where I see the conversation these days, um, I see either, I'm seeing either really three things. I'm seeing the the, the finger pointing. Mm. I'm seeing um, the just the apathetic, mm-hmm. or I'm seeing people who are, which I greatly appreciate that, people who are really trying to listen. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really the three things I see. Um, and I'm appreciative of the people who are trying to listen. And uh, I more so have an issue with the, the apathetic, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's like, man, like, we're, we're not going to move forward. The conversation won't move forward. Mm-hmm. We won't evolve as a people um, if we still have, you know, apathy toward um, not just a black plight, but any people group and their plight mm-hmm. when it comes to dealing with any types of injustices through oppression. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you feel like the church is in some ways leading the charge on, on diversity or leading the charge on racial reconciliation? Um, big church or just us specifically? Ooh, just I don't big know. Ch- man, big church. How much, how much time we got? I, man, I big- got you. I got you. Well, what I see from what I see, um, I think those that are dwelling in the church, when I see a, a shifting of of power, mm-hmm. um, I think that advances. I think that advances the mission, right? Like when I see a shifting of power, when I see someone like who's in power, who's um, they're they're racially recognized as the superior, and when they say, hey, I want to put the power in someone who may be looked at as inferior. Not that they agree that they're inferior, Mm -hmm. but I understand society calls them that. So I am going to give power, credence, you know, credibility to this individual, and I'm going to take the back burner. And Mm -hmm. and I see that in church. Mm -hmm. Um, I see that in some in some ways, and I'm super appreciative of that. Mm-hmm. And another way I'm appreciative is I'm appreciating when I see people in the church give the 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 lesser than quote unquote a voice, mm-hmm. right? And when that happens, I just feel like what's what spoke about in James comes to real life. Um, my philosophy. <laughs> It is it isn't that it's solely a race thing. Um, that's the easy thing. I can look at you and tell what you are. You can, you know what I'm saying? But I think it's it has a lot to do with man, rich and poor, um, greater than and lesser than. Mm-hmm. And due to, you know, what what has transpired in the in this country, we have a specific group, a couple specific groups that has been viewed as less than through means of oppression, through means of bigotry and things like that. But when I see people step out of that and say, no, this person is not that, I'm either going to do what I can do to give them a voice, give mm-hmm. them value, or recognize their value and magnify it, or or give them power, mm-hmm. and all those sorts of things. When I see that happen in the church, that shows me that, hey, what's in James is real. You know what I mean? When yeah. you recognize a brother as not more significant than you, but mm-hmm. equal to you, mm-hmm. like the same. Like even in Peter, he he was addressing uh, one of the pieces. I don't know if it was the first or the second, but in the greeting, he was addressing 
uh, the people he was writing to as those who have uh, a faith like mine, mm -hmm. right? Like we have the same level of faith, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have the same kind of faith. And so I think it always comes back to seeing an individual as you see yourself, mm -hmm. right? They're black, white, pink, green, but I see them as I see myself. Right. Uh, when Jesus knocked Paul off the horse, he didn't say, hey, why are you persecute my people? Mm -hmm. He didn't say that. He said, why are you persecuting me? Mm -hmm. Because he saw the church as himself. And if we don't, if we don't do that, then I think we're going to miss the target. No matter what we do, no matter what kind of concessions we try to make, if we don't do that, if we don't see people as we see ourselves, we're always going to miss the target. Yeah. And I think it's easier to, for a rich man to see himself as superior mm -hmm. than any other person, no matter the people group. Right. So when I see the church step away from the superior complex and, 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 and give power or give voice and all of those things. And I really do think that that's the model that Jesus was, was setting, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. I think in, in some ways, in some small ways uh, at fellowship, I think we've, we've said a couple times that um, you're not always going to have all of your preferences yeah. met in terms of worship style, mm -hmm. uh, preaching style, mm -hmm. all those sorts of things. Do you think it's necessary to be able to um, quote unquote, not get your way when it comes to, essential. when it comes to those sorts of things? Yeah. I think it's essential because it's not about that's Burger King, like Burger <laughs> King don't let you have it your way, but that's not, it's, Man, God got a lot of kids. Mm. So it's like, if he finna give this one kid everything they want, he gonna exclude all the other kids. But he right. said he left the 99. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so it's like, it's really essential that you don't get everything you want because God is not raising brats. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and then we live in the information age. I Man, I can get on YouTube and find whatever style of sermon right. I want. I can find whatever kind of worship I want but it's like when the brothers assemble right they're coming together for the purposes of drawing near to God amongst each other yeah because the, the, I mean? the danger might be then you might start shaping God into you your own should, image yep. or your own preferences yep, yep. yep. and you definitely and then you produce a culture that that subtly implies this is godliness mm -hmm. right like like not playing drums on Sunday is godliness mm -hmm. where that's nowhere in the narrative of God. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So when you start favoring certain things, and it's, it's no problem. Like, I, I like Christian hip-hop music. I like hip-hop music. I like what I like, which is fine, but I you, you can't go around producing groups of people and developing belief systems based off that. Mm -hmm. And then you're preaching that or you're or you are putting that in positions of power. Then I believe you're you're going to be getting in error and producing things that's not that's not on the seal of God. Like God ain't out here saying you got to do this or you got to do that in order to be in the fold, yeah. if you will. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Last question. I think mm -hmm. we're going to wrap it up here. You mentioned that your father had a conversation with you about race fairly, mm -hmm. fairly on early on in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, thinking about Caleb and then thinking about your unborn child, mm -hmm. how are you going to have those conversations with them? Man. 
Um, one thing I always appreciated my dad did was my dad exposed me. Like, he didn't let me go out in the world and find out about drugs. He didn't mm-hmm. let me go out in the world and find out about um, all sorts of things. Like, he he took the, the initiative and showed me, like, with race. Mm-hmm. So I, I get excited about, like, man, I'm going to show Caleb. I'm going to show my child what these things are. And, and show them how to navigate them through the, the wisdom of God, the wisdom of people who love God, who have went before me and all these mm-hmm. sorts of things. So I, um, I, I look, ways I look to do that is, man, really utilizing a lot of the Proverbs and the Psalms, man. I, those are some secret places for me. So I talk to Caleb pretty much now. And uh, I, I say to him, I like, I'm like, man, you got to have a way to come to your own conclusion because you're going to have systems and groups of people and worlds of thought that's going to come to you and they're not going to say, hey, we want you to decide on if you believe what we say or you believe your own way. They're going to say, hey, this is right. Mm -hmm. Believe this. And you got to come to your own conclusion. So you're going to have to learn how to, to think for yourself and how to how to arrive to your own conclusion based on what you see, based on what's real to you, mm-hmm. and all those sorts of things. So I try to give him that freedom while also showing him God in my life, right? right? So giving him some critical thinking skills, but then also letting him see what happens when God's come, when God comes through for the family, mm-hmm. right? And hopefully he put those two and two together. Yeah. And uh, man, just just continues to navigate life with the wisdom of the Lord. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. All right. Well, thank you, Andrew Crutcher. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, this is uh, the fellowship family podcast. And this month we are discussing, uh, black history month and black history current, um, with some of the members of our church body. Thanks.